Does anyone like white mugs? If you do, like, why? (laughs) I use the 50-year Starbucks anniversary cup. Oh my god, it's cute, but you... You put hot drinks in there, like if you were to drink tea or coffee. Yeah, I'll put it anyways. I mean, my coffee, I usually drink it cold. And... Okay, interesting. Hello and welcome to Hidden Among Us. I'm your host, Chris. And this is Honda. And welcome to episode 74. I have a terrible lisp. <laughs> so I guess this is a great day to practice um, enunciation and pronunciation. So that's great. Um, Honda, how has your week been? Tiring. There's so much things due, I cannot take it. it, it it's like the middle of the semester. It's past the middle of the semester. So it feels like the second half of the semester always goes by quicker than the first half, I feel. And so all the final assignments feels like it's like rushing toward me like right now. I feel like the whole sem is just tiring. It's so fast, man. Yeah, it is. You're right, you're right. But like also the realisation that we are probably never going to I mean, nothing's going to bring us back to, like, campus, right? For, like, Maybe. educational purposes. We're not going... We're never going back to anywhere to, like, study. Unless we one day we're like, hey, maybe we can, like, further our studies. But, like, for the time being, after we graduate, we're not going back to, like, campus. And we're never going to see the same, like, our batchmates. And, like, you don't even have in-person classes. Yeah, like. I don't even have in-person... Okay, I had one, and then we realized that it wasn't working out. It was too difficult. Because we had to get to class, and we had to use Zoom anyway. And we were like, what's the point? So, it's online now. It's so interesting. My goodness. But also, like... <laughs> you, you know, like, how this is our last time, right? So, in my classes, I was just looking at everyone. I was just like, hmm... I see a bunch of people that are recognized from my first year, but also like a whole bunch of people that have suddenly disappeared. And I'm like, what <laughs> happened to them? Uh, I don't know. I guess for lit, right? Um, you have two kinds of people. You have those who really love theory stuff. So they take all the theory mods and people like me who hates theory. So we just avoid all the theory mods. And I feel like most of the people that I recognize from my first year are all, they all love theory. So they all take the theory mods. So I haven't seen them in like, two years yeah your yeah your cohort's small so yeah but at the same time like it's so weird that I don't even see people who are technically in my batch (laughs) because they like (laughs) that being said I also like avoid a few professors because like they're scary (laughs) yeah I know I told this to somebody this semester they were like I understand, but also like, wow. Because um, there's this one specific professor who is like a freaking genius. Um, she took, she taught us our intro to lit mod. Uh-huh. 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 
not gonna name names in case like people are like uh <laughs> anyway but yeah so the thing is right this professor is she's freaking smart like I mean, un- of course. yeah she but she's just she's so highly intelligent and um i remember when i was in, in my second year i didn't take any of her mods right and um i had a few friends who did and they would tell me that this particular professor is so hard on presentations so doing presentations right this professor will literally butt in or cut in halfway through to like make comments or like clarify things and dude that is is that not the most terrifying thing so what does she say though like is she i think she's she's also yeah yeah so she's she's criticized presentations while it's still going on yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um this this professor is also like very particular about how you call her name in emails. So she will call you oh out and she'll scold you. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I'm like, um, this is too much. And I've never met this professor, but like I also don't want to be in any of her classes. So yeah. <laughs> I I've avoided her for technically four years now, three years now. Yeah. You haven't taken like any of the classes. Nope, I have not taken any of her mods. Yeah, am I? I'm just. What can I say? I I may have a talent. I have a talent. <laughs> Does she not teach like compulsory modules or something? So lit doesn't have compulsory modules. Okay, we do have a few, but she doesn't teach those. And when I mean that they are compulsory, they're like. I guess requirements, but specific modules are not compulsory. It's certain types of modules that are compulsory. And those are like your your British literature before the 1800s or like Shakespeare. Listen, not to be a stereotype, but I really enjoyed the Shakespeare module. Of course you did. I was like, dang, Shakespeare popped off. <laughs> Listen, I'm not gonna sit here and justify myself, but just know that Shakespeare's actually a genius. Like when people say that he's a genius, he actually is. So <laughs> yes. this is such an embarrassing conversation to have. Oh my god. <laughs> Nerd. Anyway, yeah. Um also Thankfully, I found another mug. It's white. I don't get the appeal of white mugs at all. Why does it look so bright white? Like it is bright know. white because it is. It looks like <laughs> it's it looks glowing. Like it's photoshopped or something. Yeah, it looks like you took it from another dimension. Like... Oh my god! It's... <laughs> oh my god! Speaking of another dimension, I feel like we are living in a simulation now. Like everybody loves Robert Pattinson <laughs> it's doesn't it feel like you're was in a simulation <laughs> yeah everyone was like that's a Twilight guy oh my god but I thought he he did like well in Lighthouse or something oh. he did, like, he did Lighthouse. no okay here's the thing okay I remember when the casting news of Rob Pat came oh, out right. as being Batman I remember I was like guys like 
he's not just Edward Cullen. Like y'all need to see his other work too, which I have not seen, <laughs> but I've heard good yeah. things. <laughs> because I usually never watch any of the films of um actors that are good, but I always like sing praises for them either way. But anyway, that's not the point here. But the thing is, like Robert Pattinson is like extremely talented, but he also like picks like very. I guess not very commercial films, like not mainstream ones. Mm. And and so because of that, right? So it's the same thing with Kristen Stewart. Like they pick um films that are not like mainstream. So I didn't mention Kristen Stewart. Listen, I love Kristen Stewart. But listen, <laughs> anyway, so the point is these two people deserve more respect. And they need more rights, okay? So not that everybody suddenly loves Robert Pattinson. I just need you to know that he's not just Edward Cullen. <laughs> and like, it's interesting because like during interviews now, uh, people bring up Twilight and he, I think there's this one interview where he like, he was just like, it's not even cool to make fun of it anymore. <laughs> I was like, this? Yeah, but like, also it's so disconcerting because he looks so happy and all like... Media really good releases. Yeah, I was like, who is this man? He acted as Batman once, and now now he doesn't know how to act anymore. Like, look at him. <laughs> yes, um, but we also haven't watched the Batman, so um, we need to get on that soon. Three hours. It's three. Yeah, it's three hours long. But I think it's fine. We sat through Endgame. Yeah, but like it's a build up to Endgame was a build up to that film, right? I mean, true. So I feel like it's justified. But then this one is like right off the bat, three hours. Right off the bat, yes. Oh! Exactly, exactly. Honda making puns. Who is she? <laughs> it just came to me naturally. I'm oh my god, we have a comedian here, guys. And that's Honda. <laughs> Uh, someone's actually funny here. Listen, <laughs> I didn't ask to be like called out this way. So, Honda, are you ready? Come and yeah. get it. Na 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 na. Oh, this is so bad. Um, today, we'll be going through the story of the kidnapping of Shannon Matthews. Have you heard of this case before? Mm, I don't think so. All right, exciting. So I'll just hop right into it. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like maybe as I go through the case, you might have heard about it. This is one of those cases where it's like, Pretty well-known, but hmm. also not the most well-known. Mm, if that makes the sense. The name is ringing bells for now. Okay, yeah. maybe when I go through the case, like, the bells will start ringing. <laughs> okay. So on February 19th, 2008 at 6.48pm, Karen Matthews would make a frantic phone call to the police stating that her nine-year-old daughter, Shannon Matthews, had not returned from school. Um, So Shannon Matthews went to a school called Westmore Junior High School. So she was last Mm -hmm. seen there at 3.10pm after visiting the Dewsbury Sports Centre swimming pool. 
So she'd been wearing a jumper, a white cotton t-shirt, black trousers, a black coat with fur around the hood, and pink and grey Brad's boots. That being said, what does Brad's boots look like? I feel like I would want that as a child. Brad's is a doll, right? Yeah. Were you a Brad's girl or a Barbie girl? Because I was a Barbie girl. I had Barbie dolls. Same. I had pocket polyism. I have Polly Pocket too. Oh my god, I love that you could like change the dresses. But I always tore mine because it was made out of like was it like this rubbery? Yeah. 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 Mine would always tap. Okay, I I digress. So um usually for such cases, right? Um the first assumption is usually that the kids have run away. Uh, but Shannon's mother mm-hmm. would tell the police that, like, she was very adamant about the fact that her daughter was not the kind of girl to run away from home. And it was, this was just very extreme, very, very out of character for her. And mm-hmm. this case would actually result in one of the largest police searches by the West Yorkshire police, who deployed over 200 officers just to find the child. Um, on top of the large deployment of officers to find her, the case also garnered a lot of media attention and we can like have a discussion about the media attention a bit later because um, this case actually shared a lot of similarities with the case of Madeline McCann. Does Madeline McCann's case ring any bells for you? Loki sounds familiar. She was three years old when she disappeared in Portugal. And it was one of the largest um, sort of, I wouldn't call it manhunt, but it was one of the most prominent missing persons case in uh, the UK. So it was very, very heavily reported. And because of that, like this case also sort of got attention because it was about two young girls who sort of went missing. And the Madeleine McCann's case, um, we, we should cover it soon. Um, actually caused a lot of stir up so there was a lot of um criticism of the police force and the way they handled the case as well yeah mm. so that's one that's Madden McCann's case also it's one of the cases that really traumatized the UK if I if I'm not wrong it's still an unsolved case they have not found the girl until today so posters were promptly put up local residents uh led by Karen's friend Julie Bushby began their own search um, along with the police. So, like, the entire community sort of came together just to find her. Um, on top of that, there were 60 detectives who also deployed to search for her. And the total cost of the investigation was about £3.2 million. Pounds, mm. With police searching through 3,000 houses and questioning over 1,500 drivers. Um, as I said, this would be one of the biggest search searches in um, since since the Yorkshire Ripper, actually, who had been active about 30 years before. Hmm. The son, yes, that tabloid, offered a reward of £20,000 for any information regarding Shannon's disappearance 11 days after she'd gone missing. Um, however, another 11 days later, on 12th March, they would up the reward amount to £50,000. So helicopters were also utilized to see if they could locate her from um from above. 
And there was even an underwater search team that was deployed to look at the lake at Crow Nest Park in the event that she had fallen in or they could have, you know, found her body mm. there. While all of this was going on, Karen, who was 33 at the time, and her 22-year-old boyfriend, Craig Megan, <laughs> mm-hmm. were making regular appearances with the media pleading for her daughter to be returned to her. The day after Shannon's disappearance, Karen actually made a media appearance where she said, Shannon, you are a princess in every way. Come home. Shannon, you are not in trouble. Darling, please come home. This is the first time, Shannon, you've done it. We don't know why, baby, but we love you. The police mm-hmm. also found a note written by, Sharon, by Shannon when they looked through her bedroom. So in the note, Shannon had written that she wanted to live with her estranged father, Leon Rose, instead of with her mother and half-siblings. They also found out that Shannon had told some of her friends that she actually wanted to run away from home. And this is a good place to segue into the life of Karen Matthews, uh, Shannon's mother, so that we can sort of, I guess, understand her childhood and contextualize like her life at home. So Shannon was um, born on 9 September 1998 to Karen Matthews and Leon, Ro- Leon Rose in Dewsbury, England. At age 16, Karen had moved out of her parents' home after having a falling out with them. And at 16, she also dropped out of school. A year later, she would get pregnant and give birth to her first child, after which she would meet Leon Rose and get pregnant again. She had a rocky relationship with Leon, but they somehow... I don't know, through the force or whatever, they made it work. When she was 23, she got pregnant with Shannon. And after giving birth to her, so this is like the first red flag. So after giving birth to Shannon, she didn't actually go home to Leon. She went home to her mother. So she went home to her parents' place. And at this point, her parents had actually been quite concerned about the welfare of Karen's children because she'd shown Mm -hmm. signs of neglect with her previous two. So with Karen's par- with Karen's parents, oh God, with Karen's parents, she was able to get the support needed to take care of Shannon. So for the first few months of the girl's life, she lived with her grandparents before Karen eventually returned home to Leon. And this is where things start to get a bit icky. So Karen actually refused to buy diapers for the baby and instead would spend the money on cigarettes, beer, takeout, Mm. all these sort of unnecessary things. And for her child, my God, when I was like reading this, I was like, holy guacamole. For her child, instead of using diapers, she would sort of rip up curtains and use plastic Mm. bags instead. But the thing Mm. is like, it wasn't a situation where she couldn't afford diapers. It's just that she didn't baby's, want to. The baby's skin must have been so uncomfortable though. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, I was thinking about how, like, even to change the diapers for babies, there's a whole routine, you know? Like, you use wet wipes and then you put lotion and some people put powder and then, like, you, you wrap the nappy. I'm like, and this lady just used ripped up curtains and plastic bags. Like, a baby's skin is so soft and fragile. I mean, cloth diapers are a thing, but, like, 
plastic bags. <laughs> yeah, okay. So with the cloth diapers thing, right? There's also a routine with it. I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah. it's not just you just put a random cloth diaper and then ta-da, end of story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so but she wasn't doing any of these things. Anyway, three years later in 2001, Karen and Leon would finally split. Um, Karen would ask Leon to take their son and move out. And Leon was like, okay, sure. So he did. He took their first kid and he left. Hmm. At age 28, Karen would move to a three-bedroom house on the Moorside estate. She had six children by then, fathered by five different men. Mm-hmm. Three of these children lived with her and Shannon, and the remaining she sent to live with the fathers. Mm. Just fantastic. Uh, shortly after moving in, she would meet 18-year-old Craig Megan. Eventually, Karen would get pregnant with Craig's child. Of course. Of course. Interestingly, by this time, the children were on the council's at-risk register and were being monitored for neglect. Karen had actually been reported to social services by the children's teachers and even by neighbors and family members. So one of the troubling one of the troubling things was that Karen would just buy takeout for the children, so they weren't getting any nutritious meals that were necessary for them. Um, Karen and Craig would also abuse alcohol and would leave the kids unattended for long periods of time. So sometimes you would leave, like they'll go out for the entire night. And the thing mm. is like, you know, you it's not really concerning if your children are a bit older, but these were very young children yeah. that shouldn't be left alone for such a long time. Um, but eventually in 2004, they were taken off the register. So this meant that um, the number of visits and like the frequency of visits by social services were reduced. And this also meant that social services, if they were going to send someone down, they usually would call beforehand to let her know. And this is, this is very interesting, right? So Karen's mother would actually say that she would know when social services was coming because Karen would ask her for money. And what Karen would do was she would, buy food and stuff to stock up the fridge and she would like tidy up the place to make it look good. Mm. Um, so despite being taken off the register, Shannon's teachers were still quite worried about her because um, they noticed that she was struggling with her studies. So she had a lot of difficulty reading and writing. And on top of that, they noticed that her clothes were always dirty. And I feel like usually with students, the biggest red flag is when they turn up to school looking very dirty. Mm -hmm. So the real question now is, right, why did Karen have so many children despite being like the shittiest mother ever? Well, it was actually most likely because she could get benefits. Yeah. So um, for every child, she would get about 286.6 pounds a week. So about 300 pounds oh, wow, a okay. week. So with seven children, she got 2,006 pounds a week earning about 8,024.8 pounds a month 
And this essentially meant that she could live off of child benefits and she didn't have to go to work. It makes you really think, right? Like, yeah, oh like, what is the money for? I know, but like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, seven children. People like struggle just giving birth to like one or two. One. I know they say that after the first one, it gets easier, but like, I don't know how much easier easy means, you know, seven. Oh God. Like, I feel like this is a very strange way of finessing the system. It's just very strange. Mm. Um, yes. So throughout Shannon's adolescence, she'd visit her father and brother and she would, and she got very she got along very well with them. Um until Leon and Karen had a fight and Karen was like, okay, you know what? Um, I'm not sending Shannon over. Shannon, you're not gonna see your father again. So by now, if the red flags weren't flagging, then I'm here to flag <laughs> the red flag. Anyway, Karen and Craig continued their media appearances, and at one point Karen said that she believed that Shannon had been kidnapped. Um, two weeks after her disappearance, Karen and Leon would speak at a press conference. And during this conference, Karen wore a shirt that read, Help find Shannon and carried a teddy bear. I think you can find this press conference online. Um, it's a very interesting uh, clip to see because you can see very stark differences between Leon's reactions, like the way he was talking and the way Karen was. Mm. Yeah, so this is a little teaser for what's to come. <laughs> um, to help de- to help the detectives, Karen and Craig put together a family tree so that police could visit each and every one of the family members. Um, I don't understand why they did this, but I guess it's maybe under the assumption that she might have been like kidnapped by a family member. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess usually kidnappings they will look at immediate family members because I mean they put All together right. the entire family tree which is like over 350 members then from there oh, they had to like yeah. narrow it down to like members that could actually you know be potential persons mm-hmm. of interest I don't know maybe they were grasping at straws I have a strong feeling at this point they were really grasping at straws so they were like searching for this girl for like several weeks and they couldn't find her mm. yeah um, at this point, the police were actually tipped off about an individual Karen and Craig both failed to mention. So this is 39-year-old Michael Donovan, Craig's uncle, who lived relatively close by to them. So Michael Donovan was um, something of a loner. So um, he had sustained a head injury in a car accident and therefore relied on disability benefits. What piqued the interest of detectives um was that he did not participate in efforts to find Shannon, despite being a relative who also lived close by. Yeah. Another detail that I ha- I didn't mention is the fact that um, the place where Craig and Karen were living, right, they actually lived very close by to Craig's family. So his mother, his sister, um, even this uncle, and all these people, I guess, were like, you know, trying to find Shannon, but this this one guy just mm. crickets. So suspicious. Um, 
Eventually, uh, detectives went down to Donovan's home to investigate. When they knocked on his door, no one answered. So they had to go and find um, one of the neighbors and they were like, hey, do you know where this man is? Mm-hmm. And the neighbor was like, hmm, his car's parked outside though. So the police were like, oh. And this neighbor basically told them that if uh, Michael Donovan needed to go anywhere, he usually took his car. So police were like, hmm, all right. Hmm. So eventually they went downstairs to ask another neighbor about his whereabouts. And this is where they were informed that um, this particular neighbor told the, the officers like, hey, I actually heard some footsteps this morning. And on top of that, this neighbor was like, also, I think I've heard like the sound of a child shuffling around. But this neighbor assumed that this this child that they were hearing belonged to Michael Donovan's girlfriend. So he thought it was the girlfriend's child. But as I said, the red flags were flagging. So the police sensed something was wrong and they called for backup. So ultimately on March 14th, 2008, the police would kick down Michael Donovan's front door, enter into an eerily quiet apartment and begin looking through each room. Um, They would eventually find a locked room, which was promptly kicked open. And from under the bed, they heard a whimpering sound and the words, stop it, you're frightening me. Mm. So they they went towards the bed and this was like a very heavy, heavy bed. So two officers couldn't like <laughs> lift it up. I'm like, what's that scene from, was it Batman Begins where Alfred's like, Master Wayne, what's the point of doing all those pull-ups or whatever if you can't even lift it up? But anyway, it was that kind of scenario where, like, these officers couldn't lift off this, like, large divan-styled bed. But um, Shannon would eventually crawl out from under the bed and a detective would look at her and she was extremely disoriented, so he carried her. Mm -hmm. And the detective was like, okay, so where is Michael Donovan? And Shannon would look at him and go, he's under the bed. Is that not the most creepiest thing ever? Oh my god. So, (laughs) yeah, um, Michael Donovan would eventually be arrested on the grounds of kidnapping. And um, unfortunately, this man just keeps digging his own grave because, like, instead of going quietly (laughs) with the police, he was like yelling and screaming. And I'm like, my guy, you've lost. Just, Just go quietly. At least have that, like, little dignity mm-hmm. um so what donovan did was um he actually would tie shannon to a beam in the ceiling so oh there was like God. sort of like a long leash and he would tie her there and this was to prevent her from like leaving the the room the house if he were to go outside um mm-hmm. she was also being tranquilized and given travel sickness medication to keep her sedated um, Donovan also wrote a list of rules Shannon had to follow. So I'm just going to read out the rules for you, okay? There's um, five rules. So rule number one, you must not make any noise or bang your feet. Rule number two, you must not go near the windows. Rule number three, 
You must not get anything or do anything without me being here. That is grammatically incorrect, but never mind. Rule number four, keep the TV volume in brackets low, only up to eight or lower. And rule number five, you can play the Super Mario games and you can play some DVDs and you can play the CD movies, uh, the CD music. And then at the bottom, it says IPU, which stands for I promise you. I don't know. There's also this weird drawing on the paper. And I kid you not, it looks like the MediaCorp Channel 8 logo. I'm going to send it to you. It looks just like it. What is it for though? I have no idea what the thing was for. I looked at it and I was like, this is not the Channel 8 logo. <laughs> Take a look. Tell me if it's the Channel 8 logo. Is it, is yeah. it too close? Is it an 8? It looks like an 8, right? <laughs> a G? I don't know, maybe in maybe. Michael Donovan's past time, he watched Channel 8 dramas. Sure. How will he get access at that time? Listen, I don't know the specifics, but maybe he did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this entire case feels like a fever dream. Um, upon finding out that Shannon had been discovered and was safe, the people were... They were literally overjoyed. They were like celebrating. Um, and uh, Shannon was put under the protection of social services. Karen and Greg were promptly informed. And they were like, oh my God. They were emotional. And they were eventually <laughs> brought down to the station to see her. But because Shannon had just been found, right? She had technically her body was evidence. She had possibly had evidence mm-hmm. on her. So she could only see Karen and Craig through um, a barrier, like a glass barrier. It was then that the officers noticed that Karen was behaving a bit strangely. So Karen watched, like she looked at Shannon with sort of like this blank expression. She was very emotionless. And all she said was, she got new clothes. Very strange. Um... Very strange. The red flags keep flagging. What Um, does that even mean? Flagging. No, I'm coining that term. The red flags are flagging. (laughs) What does that even mean? Is it a new word? I'm coining it. All right. (laughs) Anyway, moving on. Meanwhile, at the Halifax police station, Michael Donovan would be turning the tides. Mm, interesting. So he revealed that Karen had orchestrated the kidnapping. Mm. The plan was for Donovan to find, in quotation marks, Shannon. And he would find her specifically when the reward money became £50,000. After which, they will collect the prize money and then they will split it between the both of them. He said that... I know. Is it not the stupidest thing ever? First of all, like, why would you make a deal... Okay, I mean, okay, the next sentence sort of 
kind of can explain not that i believe it fully but why would you make a deal with somebody who is so willing to do a kidnapping plot with her daughter like why would you trust this person to sh- split the mm-hmm. prize money with you cuz i would not mm-hmm. right so michael donovan actually told the police like hey i didn't want to have anything to do with this right but karen threatened me so he said that karen threatened him saying that she knew people who would kill him if he didn't comply and so he was like i guess caught in crosshairs and he agreed to it but he also said that he never hurt shannon during the interrogation process with uh with donovan people began to further notice Karen's odd behavior. So she didn't seem very relieved that her daughter had been found and she didn't really seem upset about Michael Donovan having kidnapped her daughter, which to others felt very strange. Um, she acted like everything was fine and normal and um, the chief superintendent would also comment saying that she was, she was acting really like normal and like cool and before the cameras started rolling she would be laughing and smiling and immediately when the cameras came she would become this very anxious mom i mean yeah she she can act the part but like is she that dumb like i know like... also like going back to um what she first said in the news where she was like calling Shannon her little princess and whatnot, um, her friend actually would come out to say that she thought it was very strange at the time because she never called Shannon her little princess. Yeah, I'm just... Mm. Maybe Karen should have gotten a Skillshare account and then Skillshare. took up a cause on acting. Yeah. Maybe she should have done that. Back then. <laughs> um, acting for dummies. Yeah, acting for dummies. Oh my gosh, we should write a book. Acting for dummies, and then just put like Karen, Karen's face. <laughs> what not to do? Yeah, what not to do? <laughs> what not to do? A study of Karen Matthews. <laughs> um. All right. So, <laughs> this case just keeps getting better and better. Okay. So on April second. Craig was arrested on the suspicion of possessing child P. Because what happened was when they were still searching, when the officers were still searching for Shannon, they 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 took his computer and while they were looking through it, they found child P on it. Oh. Like how? Why? Jesus Christ, these kind of people. On April 3rd, he was charged with 11 counts of possessing indecent images of children. With both Donovan and Craig arrested, people around Karen began to further suspect her um, because um, whenever they came up to her and they were like, hey, you know these two people close to you have been arrested, right? She would just brush it off. Which is also red flag, flaggedy flag Mm -hmm. behavior. On April 6th, Karen was eventually arrested on suspicion of attempting to pervert the cause of justice and was arrested two days later 
um, for providing the cause of justice and also for child neglect. Initially, Karen had asked Donovan to kidnap her. Kidnapped. Oh my gosh. Initially, Karen had asked Donovan to kidnap her oldest son, but he refused because he never met the child. So instead, Shannon offered. So sorry. So instead, Karen offered Shannon because um, Karen also said that because Shannon was a girl, it would garner attention quicker. And to a degree, she was right. Um, toxicology mm-hmm. reports during the trial on November 11, 2008 would also reveal that Shannon had been drugged 20 months before the incident. So for two years, she was being drugged with the tranquilizer. Yeah. And during Why? the trial... Oh, sorry? Why? Because Karen's a shitty mother. Yeah. For real. Oh, maybe she can't stand. I don't know. Like, Genuinely, like maybe, like, yeah, like maybe. Um, Akron, Garen, Garen, Karen would deny all charges on twenty third January two thousand and nine. Karen and Donovan were sentenced to eight years in prison. Interestingly, um, Craig was never charged with anything in relation to the kidnapping because he didn't know anything about it. I guess, which is also very interesting. They couldn't find ev- any evidence that linked him to like this kidnapping case. And I think if you look up interesting interviews with them, like you can see that Craig actually is a bit more like genuine with his worry about Shannon. Once again, <laughs> fascinating. All right. So you want to split the money, I guess. Right. Oh my god, but also like so sad. Like this is a boyfriend and she's splitting <laughs> the money with the uncle. Like I believe that there were some um reports or like rumors that said that uh Karen and Michael Donovan may have had something going on. Yeah, I'm not surprised. But anyway, you want to know what the final blow to this entire case is, Honda? Because already it's a whole doozy. You want to know what the final blow is? What? So Karen was eventually released on April 20 in April 2012 after serving half her sentence. Um Initially, she moved to the south of the country and volunteered at the Christian ca- charity shop after finding God, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so here's the real doozy, okay? So when I Googled her name, there was this article that came out from 20- 22nd Feb this year. And essentially, um, she's engaged to a pedophile and is planning to have a baby with him. But here's the real kicker. Uh, she found that she has an old friend apparently who she's going to pay a thousand pounds to be the surrogate for the baby. Why does she still want more kids? I'm just speechless. Like when I read this article, I was speechless. Because I feel like one of her punishments should be like never being able to like have a child. Right? Oh my god. This was this was wild when I read it. I was like... Okay. Well, that tells you everything you need to know about Karen as a person, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, another very interesting thing about this case was a lot of people... Remember I mentioned that there are parallels of, to, of this case with um, Madeline McCann? 
Um, there's actually a lot of criticism because even though this case was sort of wild, widely publicized, 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 <laughs> yeah, even though this case was widely publicized, right? Um, it would still sort of wane. It's sort of one of the stories that like ebbs and flows, where like one day it's mm. on the news, and the next day it's like page three of the newspaper, and um, the interesting thing was people criticizing the fact that. Because Karen Matthews, Shannon Matthews, they came from a part of town that was sort of not well-to-do. They were like a lower-income family in contrast to Madeline McCann. Mm-hmm. So it, it brought a lot of criticism of on the way these kinds of crimes are reported and, you know, sustained in the media. And like, honestly, it's... It's something I can understand. Like, even today, wealthier people or, like, celebrities, when stuff happens to them, it tends to get reported more widely and it's more... It lasts longer on the media. Mm. Yeah. A lot of people from, like, the lower-income bracket are sort of, like, pushed pushed back. You don't really hear about them. And even if they do become, like, a... Yeah, I mean... The media, you know, they you know do stories that will sell better. They don't actually mm-hmm. care about that. It's very interesting because um I'm watching this Korean drama called Through the Darkness, right? And there's one part of the show where we follow we follow this reporter who she like her personal values is she wants to be as ethical as possible when she writes her articles. And there's this one killer that comes up and everybody is writing about this, this killer. So her boss actually tells her, when you write this article and you publish it, I want you to write his name in the headlines and put exclamation marks. And she looks at him and she's like, I don't want to do that. Everyone is writing about this man and I don't want to do that. So instead of writing about him, she focuses her article on like the victims instead. Mm. And I was like, dang, this is nice news reporting. But at the same time, right, when you do things like this, you run the risk of, once again, not being seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so this the kidnapping of Shannon Matthews. Thankfully, I guess, a happy ending in the sense where Shannon is found. Yeah, but sad ending in the sense that her mother is now engaged to a pedophile amazing I mean, hopefully Shannon and the other kids you know they got a better outcome for them yeah than if they were to stay with their mom yeah so that's the case interesting I wonder if like this case like made people rethink the whole like social welfare benefits and stuff like that Oh, wow. Good question. <laughs> Do you think that would have happened? I feel like it's still a very flawed system. Yeah. I mean, some people who are super anti-social welfare would probably use this as like an example. Yeah. Essentially. But like, we also must come to understand that people like Karen Matthews, they they're not the majority. It's, it's a very small number of people who will abuse, you know, 
yeah. social welfare. And like she's really an outlier. It's really an outlier. Mm, yeah, but sometimes it's politicized, you know. Oh my god. It's insane. Like I feel like I am I am personally unable to understand people who are super against like social welfare or like the helping of others. I can't I can't understand like how can you be so maybe I'm not in a position where I have to think about it in a sense where like I'm like, oh holy guacamole, like helping these underprivileged people is detrimental to my own life. But I just cannot I cannot imagine or vibe with that. I know, right? I mean, it's a whole debate. It's a whole debate, yeah. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, and click that follow button on Spotify. You can also listen to us on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon, and whatever podcast platform you listen to. And you can follow us on Instagram at Podcast. Share us a message or send us a story if you'd like. You can also email us at hiddenamongustree at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and we will see you next time. Bye! Bye!